Hey, if you're a sports fan, you are going to absolutely love our podcast today. And even if you're not a sports fan, there are so many life principles that you're going to hear. Our guest today, Lee Melchioni, played basketball for Duke University in the early 2000s. He was a player agent and now a lawyer. If you're a sports fan, and even if you're not, you're going to love this. Join us now. Lee Melchioni, thank you so much for being on the No Gray Areas podcast. I am so excited about this interview, partly because I've been a basketball fan. I, I played basketball, not at your level, as our audience is going to hear, hear, but uh, always been a basketball fan. And when you and I talked about a month ago on the phone, Lee, I admitted to you that if someone asked me who I cheered for in college basketball, I said anyone playing Duke. And that was that was and and Lee, by the way, for our audience, he played at Duke in the early 2000s. Is that correctly? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But I told you on the phone that as I get older, I realize that some of the teams, coaches, players that I used to cheer against, you just can't help having a tremendous res- amount of respect for them. So Shashevsky, uh, Coach K, as you guys probably referred to him. He's one of those. And I cheered against Duke mainly because I had a childhood friend that was an annoying Duke fan. So I I uh, have great respect. So let's back up a little bit. We're, we're going to talk about all kinds of interesting things today, but I want to back up a little bit and get your, your background. So where did you grow up, Lee? Sure. I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in a, I guess what we consider a small town, Lancaster, which okay. is associated with Amish people. Yeah. This would be... When you say that uh, to the general public, that's like, yeah, that's where Amish people are, right? Yeah. So you, did you grow up around the Amish? Like that was something you you typically saw? You're driving down the road and yeah, not horse not and around, buggy? Right. Once in a blue moon, a horse and buggy would go down uh, the street I lived on, but you would more see them. There's a great, uh, famous, longstanding market that runs downtown Lancaster. Um, and when, then obviously when you go out in the country, uh, the farms and a lot of the food that you eat locally from Lancaster in Lancaster is, is from Amish farms. But, you know, they're also incredibly simple and some of the most hardest working people you ever meet. Yeah, right. Like it, they get up true. sunrises, go to bed when sunsets, they don't have electricity. And so uh, I, I also growing up, I, I found it, you know, it's an odd lifestyle, but had a tremendous amount of respect for the way they live. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine. So are uh, just really quick. Are you a Philly fan then? Do you Phillies, Philadelphia yes, Eagles? So, so it might be surprising. I love the Philadelphia Eagles. Love them. I really like the Philadelphia Phillies. And then you know, the other the other Philadelphia sports teams, I, I don't, you know, kind of uh, indifferent. <laughs> you, did, you didn't even I, name them. You didn't right, even name that's them. That's odd. You know, I love, you know, obviously root for the Sixers, the Flash. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, kind of grew up in the age where I was more of a fan of players than NBA teams, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So were you focused on basketball growing up, or did you play multiple sports and basketball is kind of where you landed in your high school years? and? Yeah, so grew up playing pretty much everything. We loved growing up playing baseball, soccer, and basketball. Never, never played tackle football. Never, we didn't have lacrosse uh, in, in Lancaster when I grew up. But I played soccer through my sophomore year of high school, and actually thought I was going to play soccer in high school at one point. But I had a very good uh, summer circuit from an AAU standpoint, and then at, at this Adidas ABCD camp where. I got a significant number of scholarship offers after my sophomore year. And it, uh, at that point, just made the decision to focus on basketball. Yeah. So why Duke? Why did you pick that? Because you got, you said uh, a number of offers. 
Sure. So I took the proverbial blue pill from a very young age. So okay. my father played basketball at Duke. Uh, my sister at that time, she was two years ahead of me, was a, was a sophomore at Duke when I was being recruited. And so, you know, Pat, from the time I can remember, uh, unlike you, I love Duke growing yeah. up. And yeah. it was a dream of mine to go play there. So, you know, basically I said, if Duke recruited me at all, I was going to go there. And that's, you know, fulfilled a dream of mine, attending yeah. there and playing basketball. You know, I almost want to apologize for not, again, it was because I'm going to give a shout out right now. It was my childhood friend named Jason. He was an annoying Duke fan. But when I look back, I go, I wish I could go back and just soak up the respect and awe of a coach that did what Coach yeah. K did. You don't, need, you don't need to apologize, right? I think in our life, there are teams that are polarizing. And why mm -hmm. are they polarizing? Because they win. Yep. Right? No one cares. No one has an opinion about the teams that lose all the time, right? But Absolutely. The, the Yankees, the Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Duke. Yep. You go yep. on and on. Pick your sport. You know, previous years, UCLA, USC, Texas football. You either hate them or you love them. They're so, so true. Yeah. And I would always have, you know, you always got to have something smart to say. Where it's, I mean, I hate to think, you know, I, I could see you'd be upset if you couldn't get into the school. I mean, that'd be, <laughs> that would upset me too, yeah. so, which usually further enrages people. Like, oh, that's know. good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. So uh, tell me your, your best moment and your worst moment in those years that you played for Coach K. Sure. So being at Duke, I remember uh, it's a funny story, not funny story. My freshman year, we're in practice before the season starts. And the it's coaches, it's a coaches clinic. So coaches come from all over the country, like high school, mainly high school coaches, to hear Coach K conduct practice over the course of the weekend. So we would do like whether it's Friday, Saturday, we do two days and then have another practice on Sunday. So he has a microphone on that's Obviously, everyone in Cameron can hear what he's saying. He's mic'd up. We're doing a drill where I'm on the perimeter. We're feeding the post. So no one is guarding me, but there's a post defender. And I remember I throw a post pass and the defender intercepted. He's like, Lee, you know, what the heck are you doing, son? Like, how are you going to turn the ball over with no defense? You're the worst player I've recruited in five years, son. And I, you know, you're 18, 19 years old. And I, I just remember. And he's mic'd up. Yeah, all these coaches can hear this. He's mic'd up. And I just slinked to the back of the line at just wishing I could be invisible. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and there's there's lots of, now with, with my teammates, you you kind of, you joke about these things that you went through together and they bond you. But that's that's one you're just you're like, oh, man, yeah, that, that yeah. was rough. Isn't that true, though, what you're saying? And that's where the camaraderie in sports or for first responders or military, you're in the trenches together in a sense. And there's a bonding that takes place, right? Like you went through this crap together. Couldn't yeah. agree more. And you never want to compare sports to things you just said, right? Like yeah. war or first responders or actual matters of life and death. But when you go through incredibly stressful situations where you're pushing yourself to mentally and physically to limits that you're probably not capable of unless someone else is pushing you there. Yeah. 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 You create a lifelong bond with someone that, you know, whether if I haven't talked to a teammate in six months, a year, when I see them or talk to them, it's like we spoke yesterday because yeah. of what you went through. And that's to your point, it's a bond we'll always have. Yeah, for sure. What about a highlight? What was one of your high moments, your favorite moments from those uh, years you played for Coach K? I mean, we have so, you're a part of so many great moments uh, and victories. Uh, I would say, you know, even, we went to three Sweet 16s and one Final Four. Um, my sophomore year, 
I think oh, we were deserving of winning the national championship. We went to the final four and, and lost to UConn, unfortunately, in the semifinals, who we went on to win a national title. But I think, you know, that experience as a, as a collegiate basketball player, we won actually in Atlanta, where I, where I live now, in the Georgia Dome, beat Xavier to go on to the final four. I think that, and I, I really didn't play that much. It's really at all, but it was, it's an incredible memory to be a part of something like that. I, I can't, I mean, for all of us, when you say you didn't play much again, uh, someone like me didn't make it to the level that you did. I still just would love to uh, feel that vibe when you walk out on the floor in a final four game, that's gotta be something you'll never forget. Yeah. The, at that time, I don't even know if it still exists. It was the, at the Alamo dome mm-hmm. in San Antonio. And you know, there's, 60, 70,000 people there to watch a basketball game. Um, and, you know, this was my sophomore year. And honestly, I used that as motivation to go into my junior year to to make sure I was on the court. So, but it was to, to, to experience something like that where the number of teams that play basketball, you know, in the NCAA to come down to you're one of the final four, something yeah. you'll always remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I read an article uh, that was written about you about a year ago or something, and you mentioned in there four things that you really took away from your time uh, at Duke with the Blue Devils, Coach K. He talked about uh, attention to detail, work ethic, teamwork, and relentless positivity. Speak into those a little bit. Like, how has that helped set you up for life? Like, some people would look at it and go, you played basketball for four years. But I I think uh, others of us would go, no, there's a lot more that happened in those four years. Yeah, when you go through something like that, your, your college experience is obviously different, right? You, you have school and then you have basketball, which is basically a full-time job, but you something I still play to this day for free. And when you talk about attention to detail, you know, it's, oh, okay, we beat a team by 15. You think that that's great. We, we kicked their ass, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you watch tape and you look at, you know, minute details of an angle you had on a screen or a defensive rotation that you missed, things that you could have done better um, where you're constantly trying to improve, you're not satisfied. And I think, you know, if you take that, that level of detail and accountability into your job, you know, into being a father, whatever it is, it, it's a lifelong lesson for you. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And work ethic, right? Right. You, I think similar to you, Pat, you, you growing up, you watch Duke and you think, you know, all they do is win. Right. And you, I came to Duke. I was, you know, I was a top 100 rated high school player. And I thought, Hey, I'm going to go to Duke. I'm going to play right there. You know, you see, they win every game. And I think after arriving there, you realize the amount of work that goes into like the unseen hours, right? The time in the gym conditioning, whether it's, you know, running sprints on the court, on the track, getting stronger with your body and then your time in the gym, just working on your game. And play. Yeah, yeah, and those things. I, I think uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but I think you find in life the, the the harder you work, you know, the more the more luck or success you have. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to read a couple of statements. So I want you to give some feedback on, but I'm pretty sure one of them, based on what you just said, you're going to disagree. It is a statement that that our audience, myself, you probably hear often uh, in our culture. But you also mentioned teamwork. How has that was obviously something that uh, you were required to to have in those four years there. But how has that helped you in life? Like, where did you learn that that's implemented in your life as a father, like you said, in your workforce? Yeah. 
I think being a part, whether you're you're working at a company or you're you're doing something on your own, saying on your own, you're never doing it alone. And I think yeah. you find that you need people around you. We all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, and you need people to to help you in your areas of weakness. And I think the big thing at Duke was being a part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. So checking your ego at the door, right? If yeah. if if you're telling me that to help Duke win a game, I need to sit on the bench and cheer hard. I'll do that, right? It's very hard. You want to get out there and play. Uh, you you know that's analogous to it, a job. If you're telling me for us to be successful at this company, I need to clean the toilets, then that's what I'll do. You can call me the head toilet bowl cleaner. And I think you know just just checking your ego at the door and realizing you know in the grand scheme of things in life how and this may sound harsh, but like how unimportant you are, right? You yes. know you want to be a yes. part of something bigger than yourself. And, you know, reminding yourself that you do whatever it takes to achieve the goal of the team, not your individual goal. Man, Lee, I love that you're bringing that point up because I remember one of the one of the lowest points in my life. Uh, I won't go into what happened, but I remember I took a long drive out in the desert and I got on my car and it was a clear night. And if you've ever been in the desert or our audience ever been in the desert, there's a lot of stars up there when you're out of the city lights. And I looked up. And I realized how small I was in this in the in the in the expanse of the universe. And then I started thinking historically, who's Pat McCullough in the expanse of human history? You know, it's, it's almost like a dichotomy where you have to believe both that there's something special about us, but there's not. I couldn't agree more with you, Pat. You have to have a sense of self, a sense of ego, right, to accomplish yep. anything. You don't yep. want to be a a wallflower or that. But I agree with you when you when you take a look up. At the stars at night, or look at how old our planet is. And if we live for a hundred years, you think that's a long yeah. time. You realize how insignificant you are. Yeah. It's such a dichotomy, like you said. But it's you know sometimes you need those reminders to like, hey man, one foot in front of the other. Keep yeah. doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we live in a culture, I think, that loves the stars. As as I think humanity has always done that. But our culture, I think, especially, we always like to point out if there's a company that's doing well. We're gonna we're gonna give one man or one woman the credit. If there's a team doing well, we like to point out to one man, one woman. And it always, always would go back to team, doesn't it? Like you're not gonna see anything great that's ever been done. And yes, there was a leader, maybe there was the star player or whatever, but there's going to be a team involved. And it sounds like that's one of the things that, that Coach K really tried to push on you. Yeah. Guys. You know, people you talk about people that we, you know, other than than royalty, right? Who are the the British monarchy, you're born into it. You know, you, Everyone has a story behind someone that inspired them as a child, a teacher, a coach, a parent, an aunt, an uncle. And then, you know, as they rise through the ranks, someone, a mentor, right? You yeah. never go it alone or, or, or a strong team surrounding them. And I think yeah. you make a great point there, Pat. I couldn't agree more. Well, the fourth one that you mentioned in this article, I loved, and I'd love for you to, to, to dig in a little bit, relentless positivity. What yeah. did you mean by that? Is that something you learned from your time there, or is that something you actually saw in the coaching staff? Yeah, I think I've always been my natural disposition is to be positive, right? And I I think that whining, complaining, I just cannot stand it to me because it's it's yep. just a waste of energy, oxygen, all that. Yeah. And so I think you know for relentless positivity, it's normal. We're all going to get down. You know, you're going to have negative thoughts. You're going to have your mind wander. You're going to have stresses. You're going to have anxieties. But I think when you kind of take a step back, and I always remind myself, you know, how how blessed I am, right? I'm, yeah. I'm healthy. The, the people I love, my family, 
and around me are, are, are healthy and happy. And yeah. that's what really matters at the end of the day. And you're going to have situations in life that are difficult. But I've always found that, that I've grown and learned the most from situations where you're difficult, you lose, you get your ass kicked versus winning. Yeah. I think that holds true. Don't you think that's one of the things that sports and it doesn't have, you don't have to get to your level and be division one junior high, high school, if you did play college professionals. But one of the things that sports teaches us is exactly what you're saying, or it can teach us if we if we choose to learn that lesson is you, you lose on Friday and you go home and you can't sleep because you're thinking of all the things you did wrong. But then you, you got to get up the next day and you got another game. Right. And you, you learn how you have to you have to flip that switch. Exactly. You know, so it's whether it's another game, Pat, to move on or it's preparation for the next game in terms of, you know what, that guy forced me left all day. I couldn't go left or he was faster, stronger. I need to figure out a way to to improve or work on my game or my skills, uh, you know, my technical ability. And I, I couldn't agree more with you in that you know, if you're winning all the time, you think you're doing great. It's when you lose is when you go, you know, you go back to the drawing board and, and need to, yeah. to strengthen areas of weakness. So when you had, I, I'm I'm assuming not just in your your days playing, but even when we move outside of that, you know, you went on to be a player agent, and now you actually lead a firm in Atlanta called Justice Partners. Um, in your personal life, you've had some low moments. How how in your lowest moments, how do you choose, or what are some things that you do to choose to to have that relentless positivity? Because it's you know when you're down, you're down. It's not that yeah. you can just go like, man, this this feels crappy right now, and yeah. So what are things that you found in your life that works for you in those low moments to move toward that relentless positivity? Sure. So I, I've always found that being outside in nature, it helped me clear my head. You, know, you talked about driving in the desert, but I, I love to work out. I love to get a sweat in. And so whether it's, it's outside, whether it's playing hoops, it's a workout, going for a walk, whatever it is. I think helps you to ground yourself, you know, clear your head a bit. And then, you know, as I said before, just one foot in front of the other, realizing that yeah, tough times, it's not always going to be so tough and great times aren't always going to last, right? One day at a time, one foot in front of the other and, and dealing with the issues at hand to come to a resolution. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love what you just said because the older I get, I don't know that I really understood this in my 20s so much, but the older I get, and I'm I'm way past my 20s, uh, I really resonate with what you just said, where now when I'm in a time where I'm kind of on that mountaintop experience, I, it's not a depressing thought, but I just tell myself, yeah. if I live long enough, there's going to be another valley. And that's okay. That's part of life, right? It, it's part of life. And I agree with you. You know, life is not all puppy dogs and ice cream. Mm -hmm. And to your point, it, everything is fleeting. Great times don't last forever, and bad times don't either. That's um, right. And you, you know, I say you enjoy both, but hopefully you have a lot more good times than bad. Yeah. Well, so you leave Duke. You went over and you played for a year, right? Um, in yes. Europe. Yep, professional yeah. Europe, and then you became a player coach. How long did you, or a, a player agent? How long did you do that? Sure. So I was an agent for about seven years. So it's when I stopped playing in Italy, moved to LA, and worked for a mentor and a, one of the guys who really started the agent industry out there. Yeah, yeah. You played in Italy. Did you like Italy? Italy was an amazing experience, but like all things, Pat, youth is wasted on the young, right? To experience a culture, you know, the country, food, language, the people um, was an amazing experience, right? And being yeah. able to kind of travel different yeah. areas around Europe. But at the same time, 
All I wanted to do was come home and be with my friends. So, you know, hindsight's 2020, where I was getting paid uh, good money to play a game that I now play for free. And so, you know, would I, would I like to have played for five, six, seven years? Sure. But I have no regrets, right? Uh, yeah. Came back and started my career and, uh, you know, I'm still grateful for the experience that I had there. It was an incredible experience. Yeah. Well, I hear what you're saying is that if you could go back and relive that, you would soak up knowing that, hey, I'm not going to be forever. I got this year or two years and I'm going to really soak up the, the culture and the. Correct. Correct. I yeah. think, you know, having the opportunity to play basketball would afford me time off in the summers. Right. And, in, you know, when you when you start your career, you realize, like, yeah, you don't get three months off in the summer. So looking back then. When you when you say to yourself, "Oh, I'm in a hurry, I'm in a hurry to to start my <clears throat> professional career in terms of you know ending my athletic career," the, 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 the me now would tell myself then, "Like, hey man, that's not going anywhere. Why don't you take three years, you know, travel around Europe, experience this in your downtime? Because you know when you when you do start working, you don't have the time to do that. So, <laughs> yeah. Sort of, yeah, yeah, but that's yeah. that's life, right, Pat? So. It is. It is. I, these are life lessons that you learn, which I think is part of the. So, for you younger people listening to this podcast, that's part of the wisdom of youth is to listen to us that are maybe a little further along, and and, and pay attention to what we're saying because I have the same experience with you, different. But my wife and I, right after we got married, we moved to Chicago, and all I did for four years was talk about how I wanted to get back to where we were from, which was beautiful Western Montana. Right. Once we got back, we've always looked at those four years and said, we missed so many opportunities. We were in one of the most amazing cities in the world. And all we were longing for is to get back to where we were from. And we, so we vowed that we would never miss those opportunities again. Right. Yep. And it sounds a little bit like that was your experience in, in Italy where you missed some. Yeah. I think, you know, to, to just appreciate, be present in the moment. And not that I that wasn't present. Yeah. I have incredible memories and friends that I still, still take in touch with from that time. But, you know, man, when the season ended, it's I couldn't want to wait to get on the plane back back to the states. Yep. So what what are you doing now? So you you lead a firm in Atlanta called Justice Partners. What exactly is that? Yeah. So basically, to to put it in a nutshell, I leverage. I'm, I'm an attorney, but I don't necessarily not in court, not taking depositions, not participating in litigations. Uh, I leverage my law license to participate in different business transactions. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. and that. Um, Justice Partners is a fund model that we've used to participate uh, in different litigations, and then it's kind of expanded from there. Yeah. Okay. So now, understanding some of this background, I want to give you. I'm going to give you four statements, and yeah. I would just love your feedback. And these are statements again for our audience. These are things you've probably heard said. Um, I think in our culture, we hear these things often. You may yeah. agree with some of these. You may disagree with some of these. So tell me whether you agree or disagree and why or why not. First statement, um, we'll often hear he or she was an overnight success. I could not disagree more. Right. And I'm sure you've seen the the quotes where <clears throat> you have the person who grinds and toils away in silence or in the shadows. And then all of a sudden they have their success or their, their company hits or whatever it is. And everyone knows them. And they think that, oh, wow, this just this just happened overnight to them. Yeah. But no one understands the probably years and thousands of hours that went into not even the culminating moment there, but just the, you know, reaching that point where uh, people know them more, you know, the, 
success, however you define it. So I disagree with that statement strongly. (laughs) I figured you would because of some of the articles that I've read about you and some of the things that you said over the years, I figured you would, and I'm with you. I completely disagree with that. And again, I don't know why we live in, in a, in a culture, not everyone, but so often we, we try to twist or turn things into it being, or appearing to be as overnight success. And I think you're right. If you look and you dig into it, you'll always find a story of someone who was relentlessly pursuing this goal and went through a lot of hard work in the shadows, as you said. Correct. Yep. Yep. Correct. Yeah, I agree. Um, what about this one? Uh, do you agree or disagree? Why or why not? We have little to no control over our future or our destiny. So back to kind of our point about how small we are in this universe on earth and in time, you know, and, and I don't know if, if you and your wife had children, but my wife and I have children and I think I six grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Amazing. So I think sometimes in your head, thoughts can creep in about, you know, and as you get older, you hear about uh, friends or or parents of friends, you know, growing up who have medical issues or things happen. I think that's kind of you question your own mortality. And so things that that are out of your control. But as far as your, your future and your destiny and things that you can you can put yourself in a position of your life to be successful. Whatever it is your passion is through work, uh, through what you do after work, um, I believe that, that you control your own destiny yeah. in that path. I almost hear you saying there's a little bit of both, though, right? Um, I do. That, I, that you I, do I control your that, destiny, but you're saying there are some things that just happen that we can't control, right? So There, there are. I think, you know, I think we can all look back at, at chance meetings where you, you went to something, you talked to someone, and then that led to you, whether it be a job or going somewhere, doing something, or, or meeting your wife. And so I think there is some some chance in the universe. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, as far as when you talk about, I'm sure you've heard the quote, luck is when hard work meets preparation. And uh, it, yes, I love that. Right. And I think that, you know, we talk, there's always going to be crazy stuff that happens you can't control. But I think, you know, it, it, I think let's be honest here, people listening to this podcast and you, Pat, we don't know any super lazy people who, who we would define as successful. Absolutely. Right? Whether it's, with the family or at their job. So uh, I think you you get out what you put in and, and then you deserve what you get out. Well put, Lee. I can't go back in all the decades I've lived and think of anybody who I've met who's successful in whatever field they're in that's lazy and just right. sitting back and wait, waiting for that opportunity to show up. <laughs> right. Yep. All right. How about this next one? You agree, disagree, why or why not? You get what you work for, not what you wish for. I couldn't agree more. You know, I think we all, you wish to win the lottery or something like that. But what, and I've always found that anything worth having, you know, or difficult is, is those are the things that I find the most joy in is it's, yeah. it's the journey. Yeah. It's not yeah. the destination. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had accomplishments in your life where it's the chase and you're, you're going after this goal. And then once you actually achieve it, not that it, it has a, an emptiness or a hollowness to it. But to me, I love the journey, right? The chase, yep. the pursuit of it. Um, and then, and then, yes, I think you, I said it earlier, you, the work you put in is you, what you get out of that is what you deserve. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, it's so easy to sometimes you have your bucket list items or your items that you hope for or wish for. But I, I love sometimes being around those people that will, they, they love to dream with you, but then we'll say, so what are you doing to get there? Right. right. 
Yeah. Right. Those are, yeah. It's back to my, you know, I was talking about people complain or why. Okay. You can't stand your job or you're out of shape or this hurts or something. Well, what are you doing to change it? Yeah. You know, and if, if you're, if you're making those changes or life changes, then by all means, please, I will help you. This is it. But, um, yeah, just to your point, you can dream, but. What are you doing to make it a reality? Well, and that's so well said, and it fits so perfectly with kind of the whole idea of our podcast, where we talk about the power and complexity of human choice and the power of choice. Like we as human beings have been given the power to make a choice, and especially those of us that were, were born in an area where we have a lot of privileges, right? We live in a first world country, um, not necessarily just trying to figure out where we're going to get our next meal. There's a lot of choices that we can make. And, and unfortunately, sometimes what we fall into is this idea of, well, I, it's, it's just whatever happens to me. I, I can't really control it. And I hear you saying clearly from the way you've lived your life and what you're saying, you would completely disagree with that. You say there's tremendous amount of power that you have. Right. But you also want to recognize your, your privilege too, right? Being born yep. in America to a yep. two-parent household, you're better than 99% of this world. Absolutely. Right? And then the... The, I am so grateful and blessed for the opportunities that I've had in my life. I know that others have, but I also know, Pat, that I've taken advantage of them and I've worked my ass off yep. to achieve as well. That's a perfect balance because you are grateful. You do look at what you, the privileges that you got. You know, again, I would say the same thing. I grew up in a, I, I, I wouldn't say I was, I wouldn't even say I was middle class, but I look back and I think of like the, uh, the work ethic and the, the, the character that was instilled in me from the coaches and the teachers. And the, yeah. I was, I had opportunities presented to me that are probably putting me ahead of 90% of the world. So understand that. But then yeah. the question becomes, what are you going to do with those? Right. 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 And how many people do we know? Like I just, like we just said that are lazy or have to take advantage of that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, last one here, uh, agree, disagree. Why or why not? The successful person is the average person focused. I think that, is focused maybe too simple, but mm -hmm. I, I think that an average person with who is focused, disciplined, you know, relentless uh, in their pursuit, absolutely can become extraordinary in yeah. whatever their in their pursuit or goals are. So yeah. I think that is definitely one of those things, you know, an attribute that you need to yeah. to achieve at a high level. Well. Lee, man, I've really enjoyed our time today. We're going to finish with two truths and a lie, which is ironic. We're on no gray areas. I'm going to ask you to lie to me, but it fits. It's a way for our audience to get to know you a little bit better. And I'm going to try to pick out your lie. But let me just say, I hope, I really, really hope, and I'm going to work toward making this hope a reality that someday I'll be sitting with you at a Duke game. Oh, <laughs> in that, make that happen, Pat. Oh, we I would love that. that happen. Not a I, I know someone who can make that happen. That's yeah. not a problem. That that would be a dream come true because I just um, love the the sport of basketball and to be in that arena, it's got to be amazing. Do you yeah, still go awesome. to the games fairly often? I do. It's my two boys, so they're coming of age. Yeah, they're they're younger, so they're into it now. And so to to share that with them, life is coming full circle. It's it's good for business to take people back. And then, you know, Pat, whenever I step back on campus, it still kind of gives me goosebumps. It takes me back to to when I was that time. And, um, and you know, I'm, I'm almost 40. I still feel young in my mind. Like I still remember moving into summer school there. And I'm yeah. sure you have the same thing with certain, uh, you know, hallmark or benchmark memories in your mind. So yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Two truths and a lie. See if you can stump Perfect. me. 
So the game, I was at the Duke game where Christian Leitner hit the shot to beat Kentucky in 1992. Okay. I also hold the record for the NBA Summer League for most charges taken in a single game with four. And also my uncle, Bill Melchioni, his number is retired for Villanova basketball and the what is now Brooklyn Nets. Ooh, those are good ones. You know the number when you said the, the first one, I, I saw that play in my head. I don't know how many times I watched it, it right? It's that's pro- the- right. It's probably, you know, top five, top ten, you know, US sports moment. Yep. Basketball yep. Moment. Yeah. Yep, that's the three-quarter court pass, right? He's at correct. The, he catches it at the foul catches line, it back to the. <laughs> yep. Grand Hill threw it. Of course, I'm, I'm, I mean, I love Duke growing up, so I could, I could, I could probably recite the play call. So yeah. Um, okay, I was just doing my math really quick to make sure you were old enough to even be at that game. I'm going to say that's true, just because I want that to be true. It was is that true. true. You were there. You were there. there. No wonder you went to Duke. You didn't have a chance. Well, I mean, I, I still remember my dad lifting me up. So yeah, it's awesome. I was there. It's incredible. Okay. All right. So that's true. And then um, I'm going to go with the uh, charge. That's the lie. You're right. Okay. Good. Because I the only reason I know that is I knew that your uncle had played for Villanova, and yeah. so I was guessing the rest of it was true. But is there part of that that's true though? The lie was there a little bit of that? No, I would just I figured, totally made I that. Tried to, yeah, I tried to go on with the. I, I didn't actually even play in NBA, so I'm like I figured you know being a Duke guy depending on how deep your research was, you might be like, you know what? I could see that being true. He was a hustle guy. So. Yep, 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 that you would step tried, in. Tried and take to make you think. Yeah. <laughs> you did. You did. Well, hey, Lee, thank you so much. Uh, hope to meet you in person someday. Really, really appreciate you taking the time and the lessons I think that you talked about are life lessons we all need to apply. So appreciate you, my friend. This was great, Pat. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Lee and I spoke about a lot of life principles, and I would encourage you to choose just one of those and focus on those for the next week. For me, I'm going to take away living in the moment. For this next week, I'm going to really focus on living in the moment. Make sure that you share with us your thoughts. You can comment below or you can email us at info at no Remember to like, follow, and subscribe. 